Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another episode of the Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from Lakers Fast Break. Pop Culture Cosmos, where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week, twice a week, wherever you get your podcasts, game source, and inside sports fantasy football. And later tonight, we will have a special simulcast of inside sports fantasy football on this channel later tonight. Why? Because the guys from the Lakers fast break, we all come back here later tonight to share where's on the NFL opening weekend kickoff right here for you. So go ahead, have your fantasy football questions ready wherever you listen to us and check us out. But we will be going live with that. Plus also as well, Lakerholics.com, Laker Tom and also Jamie Sweet. They're arguing back and forth over something. I don't know. It's either each other, subject, LeBron, Christian Wood. It's always something between those two. And you can find out what at Lakerholics.com. Plus also as well, of course, Joe Soro. Go ahead and check him out today. It's Ox1947 at Lakersball.com and his company, Simblades. Simblades with a Y.com. Empire Jeff and John McCallion. Please give them some big love on YouTube by subscribing today. And speaking of subscribing, if you can please... Help us get over. We are so close. Magic Man is running out of family members. Okay. He only has 972 family members. So he's run out of family members. So we need the other 28 family members to get us over 1,000 subscribers on YouTube. So please go ahead and do so today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. Don't look at me. My, my relatives are just like, they don't want anything to do with me. So sorry, Sean. But I'll tell you what, if you can subscribe, it is greatly appreciated. Thank you so much again to our subscribers and our also our as well, the people who send us out some donations on our last video that we had, which was, of course, Darren and Intel Wild. Also as well, we appreciate Darren for subscribing on our, as far as our latest subscriber on Spotify. So you can go ahead and do that and support us any which way you can. And our social media, it is sincerely appreciated. Magic Man says, Gerald and Joe have four daughters between how many subs? Yep, Gerald's right. Actually, my daughter was one of the first subs, Sean. Yeah, my oldest daughter. She 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 told me the other day, yeah, I remember when I was three. 
So there you go. Yeah. What's your name, Gerald? Elowen. There you go. Elowen, thank you yeah. so much. Yeah. You're perfect. I named my kids after the Lord of the Rings. What can I say? I'm a geek. That's awesome. There you go. But I will say before we get into today's conversation and a great conversation on the Boston Celtics where we go back and forth and talk about what's going on with their season. Also, Justin Quinn's thoughts on the Los Angeles Lakers as well. And of course, where he's doing and where he's got and all that good stuff as far as what he's up to. I want to mention today that Team USA, they are still involved in the World Cup after today. They had a big victory over Italy, an easy one at that, just to finally, they're getting into back into the rhythm after a terrible loss. And uh, I know everybody that was out there saying, why is, is uh, Austin Reeves so horrible, man? Why is this guy even on Team USA? The guy has great, great games. The guy has really solid games. The guy has good games. Every single game, except for the last one, and people are roasting him. Well, he came back with 12 points. Tyrese Halliburton had a great game. And the Team USA, they overcome all, and they won by, I think, 27, if I'm not mistaken, Sean. What was it? Uh, go ahead, Sean. I got you on. Uh, yeah, Gerald, uh, 10 more. It was 37. 37. 37. Okay, I lost track. My apologies on that. So they win by 37 uh, to go into the semifinals. So we'll go ahead and make sure we get you a – uh, detailed synopsis of what's going on with it as far as the World Cup is concerned. Our man, Sean Grice, who's been covering it all. Go ahead and check him out on playback.tv slash Lakers Fast Break. Sean, we did see an upset today as far as Lithuania, the team that beat Team USA. They said bye-bye because they got knocked out in the quarterfinals. What's going on with Team USA before we get to Justin Quinn, my friend? Yeah, I think uh, Team USA is on their way to the uh, gold medal game, Gerald. Um, I, I well, don't that, say that yet. Please don't say that yet. Well, that don't that that, yet. that performance today was they they followed up their worst performance with their best performance. Um, it's kind of kind of hard to top that, but they did Mikhail it. Mikel Bridge is what twenty three or twenty four points today. Yeah, twenty four points, four of six from beyond the arc. He was just a human blowtorch today. Their best uh, three-point shooting game of the entire World Cup so far. Uh, absolutely, you know it's uh, it's 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 kind of surprising to see Gerald. It's a ta- the tale of two nets. One's uh, progressing and one is regressing. I'm not even sure if Cam Johnson is going to find the floor again. Yeah, that's he's found his way out of the rotation. Even Walker Kessler is playing more minutes than him. So that tells yeah. you something right there. Will well, that be a precursor? Called, you called it. You called it, Gerald. You said Walker Kessler is going to get more minutes than Cam Johnson. He, well, it depends. It, yeah, exactly. Well, it depended on who they were matching up against. The, the they started matching up against uh, you know Valanciunas, Vucevic. So you saw him against uh, bigger, bigger uh, opponents. You know, Bancaro. As much as you like to put him in as a small ball center, unfortunately, cannot get it done all the time, especially the fact that when, you know, when you have those big guys in there. So glad that they were able to go ahead and get the job done today. But the, the team USA wins by 37 and they move on to the next round. And Sean Grice will continue to update everyone out there on team USA. If you have any questions or comments or thoughts on that, please go ahead and let us know Lakers fast break on social media or right below in the comments. But right now we've taken so much time out of the, the show so far. We want to go ahead and delay no further. It is our mortal enemy. That's right. Dun, dun, dun. Of course, that's on winning time. Now these days, is it still? We'll find out 
Great conversations ahead. Good man is here. You got to go ahead and check him out today on CelticsWire.usatoday.com. That's CelticsWire.usatoday.com. Writes a lot of great articles. I believe he's all over the CLNS Media Boston Sports Network as well with his great shows there. It is Justin Quint. Justin, great to have you here. Looking forward to a great conversation on the Celtics and the Lakers coming up today. Glad to be here. Uh, I know it's not usual for us to cross paths like this, but uh, as we were saying off air, I think we, we have a vested interest in getting to the finals, both of us, and deciding which of the teams is actually going to break the tie that you guys brought to us a few seasons ago. Yes, yes. Looking forward to who gets to 18 first, indeed. And that's something we'll go over first, but in detail on what you guys are doing over in Boston, because uh, loading up seems to be the words I would like to phrase as far as how the offseason has gotten, with the biggest addition of all being Svee Mihalik. Uh, (laughs) Former Laker. Former Lakers. I always remember the Jay Billis's comments during the draft. Short arms, short arms, short arms. You know, when he got picked in the second round. And I'm like, the kid was like, I think a four-year student, but he was like still only 20. I think at the time that he came out like really early. Yeah. And and uh, you know what? He's managed to find a place in this league. Could be a good shooter for you guys. It, but that's the thing. He never finds himself in the rotation to be able to prove it. So I'm hoping that he'll finally find a way on some team, even if it is Boston, because I really like the kid and I'm really rooting for him. And, you know, outside of when he plays the Lakers, of course. Yeah, I think he's going to find some playing time. I think people should temper their expectations just because of the depth, which we could talk about on this team. And in terms of, of, there are several players on the roster in the same general area of the depth chart, which is, I should add, uh, assembled in that all the players, with the exception of maybe Peyton Pritchard, are long and tall, with the exception of arms in the case of Svi. Uh, So... There's a very good chance, particularly if anybody is slumping, uh, particularly with some of the moves that have been made in terms of departure of Grant Williams as one of the offseason moves that the Celtics made, that he could really see some time, though he's going to be playing more on the lower end of the wing. They are really going all in on what your listeners may not be familiar with, is the hyper three-point and layup-oriented Missoula ball uh, named for Joe Missoula, the head coach. I'm not real sure how I feel about the version we saw last year because, as I'm sure some of you guys have noticed, it was pretty easy to game plan against. But he also didn't have a lot of time to put that system together. So I'm expecting a more com- a more complicated, uh, more adaptive uh, offense uh, that's going to heavily play on the skills of Owen Kristaps Porzingis. That's the biggest addition so far as far as what you guys go ahead and, and made for this season was the trade, the three-way trade that garnered you Kristaps Porzingis coming off his one of his best seasons. In fact, you know, you could argue his best season ever, uh, in including that includes the all-star season uh, that he had in New York. But he actually is coming off a sensational season, a very efficient season in Washington. Where do you see him fitting in this grand scheme of things? Like you said, they are going all in on Missoula ball, which I know from my experience dealing with Boston Celtics fans last year was like a roller coaster ride that I think they kind of want to forget. But now that Missoula 
actually got them to a good place, got them to an Eastern Conference, fi Eastern Conference Finals, and some actually thought he was going to go. He was retained, and it looks like, like you said, they're betting all in on Missoula Ball right there for you. Yeah, so about Missoula, uh, I think he was never really in danger despite what some of the fans were worried about. And, you know, we are all externally looking at the organization, wondering why they aren't doing better, not thinking about the fact that last season, about the worst possible combination of events piled on almost in, in about less than a month's time, uh, leaving them basically no time at all to adapt to a new system. But even still in that, and I noticed that uh, Magic Man was talking in the comments uh, of the show about how Marcus Smart leaving was a seismic shift, and it was. I will be honest, I am not incredibly excited about the Kristaps Porzingis move, if only for the fact that one of the bigger problems the front court of the Celtics has had in recent season has been the health of its players. Uh, Al is not getting any younger, Al Horford. He, I think he's going to be about 38 this season. And Robert Williams, we all know what happened to him on the 2022 uh, postseason, barely getting back in time to play and then not really looking like himself after having to get a cleanup operation close to the end of the last offseason before this current one we're in now. So there's a chance that if you squint really, really hard, the worst case scenario is they added a guy and extended him who doesn't necessarily fit the system that they've been playing for years now that has brought them success. So there is going to be some fairly significant changes. But then if you look on the other end of it, you get some post options that weren't available there through Porzingis. Uh, you get a much more clear pecking order of who the head honchos of this team are uh, that might help some of the extended ISO play that has plagued this team in late game situations in the postseason, And if you continue looking at, as you said, this being Porzingis' best season since the All-Star season, uh, he is a more complete player. He is an older player, more mature player, and hopefully a healthier player. There are still some significant concerns about the front court depth's ability to grind through an entire regular season. So I wouldn't be surprised if they make one more addition. Hopefully Blake Griffin, though he seems like he's leaning towards retiring or maybe signing with another team. But for now, I think the Celtics have made some pretty solid moves uh, that I think match what the Lakers have done, uh, surprising a lot of people with just how well they did this offseason. Uh, I don't know what you want to talk about that or something else next. Oh, well, we're going to go heavy to the Celtics, but yes, we will sure. definitely uh, hear your thoughts on that. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. My last movie that I saw in the theaters was The Last Skywalker. I know, condolences to me. Wow, man. Right. I I just had talked about that, and I completely forgot that I saw that movie. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't speak great things about it, I suppose. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is Justin Quinn. Please go ahead and support him today on CelticsWire.USA.com. Just by even reading his articles, going ahead and following on his social media to find out the latest news on the Celtics because we always need to keep an eye on them because we want to get to 18 first ahead of the Celtics. So, Go ahead and make sure you're checking him out and checking all the latest news and info today at CelticsWire.USAToday.com. But Magic Man is also here, a good man indeed. He is the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to talk to Justin Quinn today. It is the Magic Man, Sean Grice. And Magic Man, great to have you here. I know that you have a lot of questions for him, but you also have a deep respect for the lore of Celtics and obviously the great success that they had over the years, my friend. So the floor is yours, my friend. The question's yours. What's going on, Magic, for Justin Quinn? Absolutely. You know, Justin, there's a long and rich history with uh, with perimeter defenders uh, playing for the Boston Celtics. And um, in the early 80s, right, they really didn't have a hard time with Moses and Dr. J in the front court. They really got killed on the perimeter by Andrew Toney. And as a result, they picked up DJ Johnson and it changed the direction of their defense and their image as the scrappy bunch that'll do anything to win. I felt that Marcus Smart also brought that same armor every time he suited up. For them to trade him, it's a seismic shift, especially in that locker room. How do you feel about the leadership of the Celtics at the top with now, basically, it's Jason Tatum's and Jalen's team now. It's their team vocally and on the floor. I'm a little concerned. I think you would be foolish to not be because they've had a lot of opportunities on some fairly big stages to exert some fairly, shall we say, 1A or 1B leadership levels that haven't really materialized in the past. Uh, But if this team is ever going to be truly their team, that has to happen. And Marcus Smart, okay, so a couple things about Marcus Smart. One view of getting off of his contract is that his style of play is not going to age well. It may not already be aging well. He tends to miss about a week to a month every season, somewhere near January-ish. Uh, this particular last season, I'm sure even you guys noticed if you don't watch the Celtics very often, as I don't expect you to, that his defense was not even close to what it was in his defensive player of the year uh, season, the season before that. And some of that was the cumulative effects of a deep playoff run, lots of injuries, not quite healing. And 
there is a general sliver, shall we say, of, of the Celtics media who are not entirely convinced that Smart will ever be quite the player he has been in the past. He'll still be a very good player. He may be even a better point guard as a point guard rather than a defensive specialist for the Memphis Grizzlies, particularly while Ja is out and he's more called on for that specific role. But in terms of what he was bringing to the Celtics in that DJ mold, which is a great comparison, uh, in my opinion, there is an absence in terms of somebody on this team who is going to be the vocal person calling out coverages, uh, making sure people are where they're supposed to be. In theory, we hope that one of the Celtics uh, all-NBA wings is going to pick up that mantle. But maybe, just maybe, a certain player who saw his team go very far in FIBA World Cup but wasn't able to play for them and had to sit on the sidelines shouting coverages and giving advice on what NBA players he's familiar with have in terms of tendencies. Maybe Chris Dupps-Brzingis can take that experience and, and kind of pick up that mental for Boston. That said, I'm a little nervous about it. Well, I think for me, the move for Memphis, as far as getting him, I think is perfect for him because it provides an adult in the room for a team that sorely needs it and I, I think that uh, for you guys, you're right. His style of play, his aggressiveness, his energy that he brings uh, may not be able to sustain it now that he's in this, what, age 29 season. And by the way, uh, Al Horford will be, according to basketball reference, in his age 37 season. Although, again, uh, I'm not going to say any old jokes because, you know, we kind of have an old player on our roster, too. So we want to just leave, leave that alone, per se, right there for you. But I will say that um, when it comes to Marcus Smart maybe not being able to give the Celtics what he once did, uh, that's probably a good point. I'd probably say that that seems to be the consensus from a lot of people as far as the media in Boston saying, you know what, maybe it was the time, the right time to let it go. But then again, if this team starts to fall apart internally over the course of the year, that's the first thing that they're going to point out is moving Marcus Smart. Rightfully so. Uh, he is a high variance player in that we all tend to remember the amazing 50-50 play that he makes to save the game. We collectively memory hole those games where he also decides that since no one's making shots tonight, he's going to try to make the shots and also does not make the shots. So I think it's going to be good for Memphis. His role is going to be different in Memphis. He's going to need to kind of bend to them rather than this core of Celtics kind of, even though he was not by far the best player on the team, it kind of was his team because he was the, the longest tenured. So I think for all involved, I think this is potentially a good move. And if Boston finds himself in a situation where they kind of need to adjust on the fly, they got a good deal for him to the degree where you don't say no to that kind of a deal for, for Marcus Smart when you were also getting back Chris Dobbs in multiple first-round draft picks, even if they're not yes. the best first-round draft picks. This is true indeed. Uh, one thing I do want to ask, though, it, it led as far as everything, as far as the summer being realistic, you know, even above the Christoph's Porzingis signing was solidifying the contract extension for Jalen Brown to a five-year, $304 million deal. We all know around the corner, and it's funny because Joe Soro, our cohort in crime, who's probably out and about right now, it was five o'clock rush hour traffic, but he did note that, that he thought that uh, his teammate, of course, Jason Tatum, the primary ball handler the guy that everybody's looking to be you know center of the foundation around for the boston celtics 
he's probably going to be offered somewhere in the neighborhood of three. 50 360 when he all said and done uh and joe said i don't think he'll sign that i said there's no way jason tatum in what next summer is the earliest he can sign on it is going to pass that kind of money up yeah even in this lillard uh adjustment shall we say of the sign it and then decide where you want to be uh reality I do think that Jason Tatum, if he ever did decide he did not like where the Celtics were, were going, that based on what he's already done for the organization, that they would honor a trade request. I don't expect one anytime soon. I think this is his team, and I think that it's well positioned to be contending for most of his prime. I think there's a chance that once he's approaching the end of this extension, then he might start thinking about something else. Or if they do something really stupid, you never, you never can count that out. Uh, I don't think they're going to. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, and I'll I'll bring it over back to Magic Matt. When it comes to those, uh, you know, impending signings that they have, that's going to be a lot of money on the table. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to go ahead if you're the Celtics and offer that kind of money to Tatum. What kind of problems is this going to create? I mean, I hear from and I read and I see everybody out there having their their opinions. If Tatum and Brown don't win now there's a possibility this duo will never make out, you know, as far as they'll never achieve that feat. And if that's the case, is it money well spent? So I want to hear your thoughts, you know, with the impending Tatum extension that's looming over the horizon, what kind of problems or what kind of issues could that create for the Celtics down the road? Well, we also have to mention the fact that Derek White is also extension eligible. Uh, Good point. He's one of their best. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to get very expensive very quickly. I would be utterly flabbergasted if they did not extend Derek. I don't think he's going to get a full max, but I think he's going to get pretty close to one. And when you have that, you have Porzingis, you have Jalen Brown's quote unquote historic, even though it's already been surpassed in terms of a single year value by your own Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, we always see the sticker shock when we see these contracts and everyone loses their mind until the next com- person comes along and they lose their mind about that person and everyone always wrings their hands like, is it going to be a good value? And like, obviously, if they're not playing like what was intended for this this uh, Supermax slot, then it's going to look bad. But the criteria they created for it was, shall we say, a little too loose for it to really be one of the top five team uh, players on, on any team in the league. So... For me, the thing to think about in this situation is how are these salaries going to work in terms of how much of the cap they take up versus what you need to build a competitive team in this new CBA era. And realistically, I think if they win this year, then they'll ride it until they're ready to split up the the the, the core because it just makes sense because of age and you want to try to recoup some, some value for the next round of contention uh, that way as was done with like the, the infamous Brooklyn Nets trade last time the Celtics were contending with uh, Kevin Garnett, et cetera. But if they don't succeed, then there's a pretty good chance that they strip it down to just Jason Tatum, probably move off of Jalen Brown, try to bring in some young people uh, on cheaper deals, and then let some of those other contracts walk after a year and get things a little bit cheaper that way. But realistically, at this point in time, I think, any team in the NBA that realistically thinks it has a chance to at least be in the finals is going to be okay with being over the second apron for more than one season. Though you might see some of the cheaper teams, which I don't count the Celtics as some of the smaller market teams, like maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, for example, dipping under for a year and then going over to try to stay competitive just so you don't get that 
when you hit the, the whole second apron for the second time, I'm sure some of your readers are at least aware that you get a really, really, really onerous penalties like your your first round draft picks going right to the end for four straight seasons of the, of the first round, just as one example. Oh, no, great point indeed. Uh, Sean, what you got for Justin? Yeah, Justin, when you look at the right now in the present, but also to the future, the Celtics have a, it's almost a complete uh, night and day situation to a team like the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are old. They don't have a lot of versatility. They don't have a lot of cap flexibility. They've kind of put themselves in a situation where they're just going to have to ride this out, good or bad. The Celtics have a plethora of draft picks, including their own. They've been able to keep their own. Uh, they, Like you said, they have a young core at this point. Uh, I believe the only player over the age of 30, I believe now, is Derek White. And Al. And Al, and Al, of yeah, and Al. yeah, and Al. But for the most part, they're young. They uh, they don't have to wrangle teams up and try and like kiss their butt to try and take some of their their contracts. They have competent players, so if they needed to pivot, they can. But my question to you is, do you where do you see them fitting in somebody like that third guy? Because we've just seen Justin Champagne, who had a lot of potential. The Celtics just kind of let him go. And they brought in Delano Blanton. They brought in O'Shea Brissett. They brought in, they have J.D. Davidson. So is there a guy you see that's going to step up for them and maybe take on a greater role? I think Brissett, now that you mention it, uh, they're looking at him to be, I won't say a poor man's Grant Williams, because what he does, uh, a little bit more attention to defense, a little bit less looking for his own game. Grant was really trying to not just get his next big paycheck, but really establish himself as more of a leader on this team. And frankly, as much as I love Grant, he's one of my favorite players in the league. That really wasn't what the team needed. Uh, There were times last season where he was pulled out of the game for putting the ball on the floor when he should have been shooting it. And stuff like that, as much as... Again, I love Grant as a person and even as a player in the right situation where his career was going and what Boston needed for him weren't really a very good match under Joe Missoula. Uh, I think that if Brissett can find his shot again, as he did a couple of seasons ago with Indiana, then he'll be a really good fit. Uh, And even if he doesn't, I think just the defensive intensity and athleticism he can bring two through three, I think is going to be a great fit for Boston that might surprise people. And then Svi, I think, is going to be also more of a surprise if they can play him more at the two. I think he's going to be a really good option when people try to take advantage of Peyton Pritchard, uh, who's going to be seeing a lot more time this season. I think he's going to surprise people, too, just because of the fact they haven't seen him and he's a pretty good player. And during the regular season, he can be on the floor fairly regularly for fairly extended periods without people game planning him off the floor, as we saw in the postseason for pretty much since he's been with Boston. Once again, it is Justin Quinn. Please go ahead and support him today by going ahead and check out his great articles that he has waiting for you at CelticsWire.usatoday.com. Plus also as well, he's part of the CLNS Media Boston Sports Network. So go ahead and check out the great shows that they have there. If you're into Boston sports or you just want to go ahead and check out the competition or the enemy or however you see it, go ahead and check it out today and support them as well. 
Justin, uh, again, when it comes down to what you mentioned with Grant Williams, uh, he was traded to Dallas. Uh, he is someone that I think a lot of the league, like us, that are don't see, like you said, the, the Celtics on an everyday basis. We have this opinion on Grant Williams. We see him as a versatile forward who can guard, you know, pretty much three, fours, and fives, uh, most in the league, has a, a size, strength, a good solid six, seven, uh, you know, physique. He can also hit the threes at, at close to, if not over a 40% clip. And yet, though, the if you look deeper, he wasn't always in the rotation for Joe Mazzula, which kind of seems weird for someone who's infatuated with the three. So I want to hear your thoughts on Grant Williams. Were you sad to see him go? Do you think that he will be a piece missing? What's going on as far as with that and the thought process of getting rid of a guy who you'd think on paper would ex- be an exact fit for Missoula's system? Yeah, he, so as a person, you know, I'm a big nerd. I love playing Katana myself. Uh, he's, he's famous uh, for popularizing that amongst his teammates wherever he's gone. Uh, less popular from what I hear with the Celtics than at Tennessee. Uh, but he's a great person. He's a very good basketball player, but he wants a bigger role and he wants something that doesn't quite fit what Boston needs. And he tried to kind of force the issue at moments that hurt his team during the regular season to the point where it lost him the trust of his coach. Now, coach he's admittedly personally friends with and still close with now, even after that, which is very impressive to me because I don't know how crazy I would feel about someone who could have cost me literally millions of dollars in my paycheck uh, by that decision. But from what he was trying to do, which was win games, uh, what Grant was doing during the regular season wasn't helping. He also had an injury fairly late in the season that kept him out for a while. And the combination of what we did see and whatever may have transpired behind closed doors made it so it was pretty clear, particularly after the Kristaps Porzingis trade became available, there just wasn't really a future for him in Boston. If maybe that had not happened, he would have been good insurance, but there's really no front court time for a player who plays the way that he does, particularly the way he wants to play moving forward. I know Magic Man, Yeah, what's been said in the chat, uh, wanted to go a little bit over more about Delano Banton. Uh, Again, you talked about, Justin, some of maybe the under-the-radar individuals for the Celtics that maybe Celtics fans need to keep a closer eye on. Magic Mad, I know Delano Banton, he's actually been an individual you've said on more than one occasion coming into his second year here. So, uh, Magic Mad, tell us your thoughts before we go ahead and turn it over to Justin on that. Yeah, Gerald, I I really like what I see out of him. Um, Been to a couple Raptors games. He was noticeable. Yeah. However, for some re- inexplicable reason, Coach Nick Nurse decided that he wasn't going to let Delano uh, spread his wings fully. Just my feeling, and a lot of people in Toronto feel the same way. Uh, I don't think he'll have that problem in Boston, Justin. Um, I think he fits the style of play from a guard that uh, Joel Missoula will actually like. Um, and I think Boston fans are really going to love Blanton. Um, he's got a lot of really nice skills that complement Boston's forwards. I was wondering if, uh, if you think the same, that perhaps maybe he'll, he'll grab a niche in Missoula's lineup and rotation pretty quick. Depends on what you mean when you say niche. Uh, 
Toronto native. I know that that is a big selling point for you. Uh, very large point guard. Anyone with magic in their name, I think, well, that will also be a big selling point. Uh, and honestly, I am a very big fan of big skill ball. Uh, there isn't a snappy name for the opposite of small ball. We saw Toronto kind of experiment it without quite the right mix of players. They were more infatuated with the length than they necessarily were with the fit. I think that's part of what caused Banton to not really have any any real time uh, with that club, at least the amount of time that I think he needed for his development. To be fair, he has been very good at the G League level. He is just one of those players who, probably mostly for lack of consistent role, has not been able to find his game speed at the next level. I don't think he's going to get double-digit minutes with Boston, but I think he's going to have a chance to be an alternative to Boston either when they want to go small with Peyton Pritchard. If that is not working out, if there is an adjustment for that, he's an excellent defensive option. Uh, I don't think anyone should really trust his shot just yet. I think what we really want to see him do is get consistent with using his length to defend and his passing vision to help the team much more than his offense. They're not going to need him to shoot too much with this roster anyway. Uh, and then also, we mentioned Svi Mikaliuk. Uh, he is kind of like, you know, Mikaliuk can defend, but let's be honest, he was brought on because in some seasons and not others, uh, he has shot 40%-ish uh, from the three-point line. If they bring him in and he's not clicking, and even though he plays up a bit more to more of the 3-4, Sam Hauser is not also offering that, then maybe they try to go defensive and big and bring him in for that role as well. So there's a couple of different ways where you can kind of play up beyond the one and play 2-3 a bit as well with his size and more of a defensive role. Uh, this team under Joe Mazzulla was not particularly concerned with uh, defense, though more so in the past because they're not playing a switching system as much anymore. So I do think you're right. He will probably get more opportunities. But I also know that in terms of playing time, that Joe has a very short leash. So if he doesn't work out, you might not see him for a few weeks before he gets another shot. That's the possibility as well. Good point. I, another player I, I, I hope you will get a chance to get, to get a good look at. I, I saw him in Summer League here in Vegas. I found it to be very impressive. It's Jordan Walsh. He played really good against the Lakers in the summer league. I, I saw him a couple other times uh, here in, in as far as the whole summer league is concerned. I thought I thought I really liked what I saw. So what are your thoughts on Jordan Walsh coming in? Can he make a contribution to this team at all this season? Yeah, I think he can. I think people should strongly temper their expectations because Delano, for example, Svi, for example, to a certain extent, Sam Hauser and Brissett as well are going to be playing a similar role on the defensive end. No one expects him to add much on the offensive uh, end, even though he was, as, as you hinted, uh, a pleasant surprise on the end of the court in Las Vegas. Vegas, if you do well in Vegas, that's a sign that you may not do bad in the NBA. If you do bad in Vegas, then you start looking up uh, places to live overseas because that's probably where you're headed. Nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you can make a lot more money that way, particularly if you're starting out your career. But as to Jordan Walsh's potential role, I don't think we'll see too much of him in the first half of the season. He's going to have to learn NBA defense. He's going to have to learn NBA rotations. Uh, he's going to really have to learn the entire NBA game from the ground up. I'm sure he's already got a head start on that. But to expect him to contribute more than garbage time, I think, before, say, like late December, January is unrealistic. We might be surprised if someone gets hurt or takes a night off and he, he just gets a boost and gets lucky. But 
you know, consistency is another thing that younger players in the league tend to st- uh, struggle with. So I think as long as everybody adjusts their expectations for him, I think he could conceivably have a small role by the end of the season in the regular rotation, but will probably spend more time in Portland developing with the two-way players. You talked about health being a key to your team as our team as well. Uh, I'm not going to say that differently. Obviously, a lot is riding on the health of our two top players. For you, it's the health of the supporting cast that seems to be in most question uh, because Tatum and Brown, forever you want to say about them, you know, it was a pair, as a duo, as separates. They've been, for the most part, pretty healthy and have played a lot of games over the course of, of quite a few seasons now. So I think that they've been able to stand up through the test of time and, you know, props to them for that. But the rest of the uh, the rotation seems to be in question with Williams, Time Lord still be, you, you know, how healthy is his legs? Uh, Al Horford. 30 gauge 37 year. We don't know exactly how he's going to be able to handle it over the long term. Porzingis, that's a broken record. Exactly how much he'll actually be effective for you guys this season. But the players, are, players I want to focus in on, you mentioned Derek White. The reason why you got rid of Marcus Smart, I'm assuming, is because you have enough confidence in White and also Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon is someone who has been oft injured since his rookie of the year winning year. So your thoughts on your point guard rotation, you know, are you a little bit nervous about Brogdon this upcoming season? Yeah. Less for the reasons you noted though, because I win six man of the year and you try to trade me. That would not make me very happy. Uh, He's as far as we know, a consummate professional. So I'm not super worried. All signs have been that 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 has been, you know, as healed as you can possibly make it outwardly. It's the inwardly I'm concerned with. There's this thing about quote unquote injury prone players. And when we say that, what we really should be meaning is players with a significant risk of re-injuring something as we see with Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, most of his injuries are what you don't want to see in a big man, which is, for example, foot injuries, uh, anything in the lower extremities, back injuries, those kinds of things. So, I mean, the, the whole plantar fasciitis thing, that is something that's concerning, but really we shouldn't be too worried about that. That happens to everyone as you age, particularly if you are taller, uh, put lots of weight on it. Uh, and you know, that's something he's been doing. However, Going back to Malcolm Brogdon, he also has dealt with some plantar fasciitis, or I don't know if it was plantar fasciitis, it was something fasciitis, inflammation of connective tissue uh, last season. What made him unavailable to the Celtics was a torn tendon, which you can say that a player is quote-unquote injury prone, but what we're really saying in this case is that he had bad luck, right? Does that mean he's going to be healed? There was some concern. We we all know about how the trade about uh, that I was mentioning to the Los Angeles Clippers was blown up because of that injury to his elbow tendon. The general uh, range of recovery time for that suggests he should be just fine by the time that training camp comes around. But when we took a look at the front court, as you mentioned, Rob Williams, uh, O'Shea Brissett left uh, World Cup play because he was dealing with something. Uh, you know, at some point, Al is going to be visibly declined during the regular season, that's during the postseason after, frankly, spending too much time on the floor last season. 
Uh, I don't attribute too much of the decline we saw in the postseason to overall decline so much as too much wear and tear in that particular season. I think he can be good in the postseason, but in terms of injury, and you know, this is what tends to happen uh, throughout the history of the NBA once you really get to be a fully season contending team, is that most of your cap, your salary cap, is in older players, veteran players with lots of mileage, lots of playoff experience. And with that tends to come the wear and tear injuries that we have been talking about with this team. And anytime you want to get deep in the playoffs, the luck that comes with not having players who are older and more prone to injury on your team, taking up too much of your cap and your roster and your playing time, right? So both of our teams really need to be crossing the fingers and, and taking the regular season lightly. I think the uh, the Denver Nuggets last season and uh, Jokic kind of stepping off of the MVP race to focus on being healthy for the postseason is something both of our teams could be uh, watching instructively. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Once again, it's Justin Quinn. Please go ahead and support him today. If you're a Celtics fan that's out there, it's CelticsWire.USAToday.com. Even if you're an NBA junkie and you want to know more about every team, including the Celtics, go ahead and check it out today. USA Today also has more great blogs from all the NBA teams, so go ahead and check it out. Plus, again, check out his work today at CelticsWire.USAToday.com. Magic Man, before we get into his thoughts on the Lakers and also if the rivalry can be renewed this season... Go ahead, Magic Man. Any last lingering questions that you have for Justin on the Boston Celtics? Sure, Justin. So if we uh, if we looked at uh, the big man on the Celtics right now, I think if they played a combination of 150 to 180 games combined, you know, roughly around 50 or 60, I think Boston fans would be really happy about that, and that would probably portend to a team relatively being healthy rather than having. Uh, serious injury so if we go along those if uh, O'Shea Brissett or Delano uh, basically pop 
this time around that's an added cog to what Boston has. What do you see them needing to do around the margins if everything else is kind of equal, Justin? Well, with the Savie McAuliuk signing, that was their 14th regular roster slot. They currently have the 15th one open. I think I hinted about uh, Blake Griffin trying to figure out what he's going to be doing. I would be surprised if he comes back. I think he might retire. Either way, I think at some point they're going to want to find another big man. Uh, They need just somebody to help eat some minutes, maybe even good enough uh, to play in the postseason in the first or so round. Uh, If we're not talking about Blake, I think really – the uh, only other realistic alternative, maybe you could see Bismarck Biombo hold up uh, if you keep him on ice the whole time. He's not so, he, yeah, exactly. And he's not so great. Uh, maybe you could see Willie Hernan Gomez, but most likely you, you're going to find somebody who probably is going to convert it off of a, a, a two-way uh, contract. The problem is for Boston under the new CBA, you get this new third two-way slot, but you only get it if you carry 15 players. And with the Celtics so close to the second apron, they might just try to stay under the second apron entirely this season, unless somebody really impressive comes along. Uh, I do not consider Christian Wood to be very impressive. So, yeah. We don't either. We don't either. Just well, to let Christian you know, Wood, we don't the source either. of like 500 Lakers podcasts, if you go ahead and check out their Lakers podcast in the past two months, uh, not ours. We tried to stay away from that as best we could. We talked about it originally. Talk about it when a when a somebody on our chat talks about it. But we, you know, as far as titling Christian Wood, I mean, we've seen it all over the place. So I think that a lot is writing on this individual that has not, for someone who has supported Christian Wood throughout his I like years, him too. yeah. But the theory of Christian Wood is usually better than what you see executed out there on the court there's more going on than meets the eye because as much as he doesn't play any defense uh his offense is good enough that uh there's gotta be some extracurricular issues in the locker room that are turning him off to uh to to teams out there yeah and uh hernan gomez with fc barcelona i see in your your comments yeah we mentioned uh, it was mentioned last week because i thought i thought the same thing you know maybe the lakers oh that's right he signed with yeah barcelona that's great yeah so take him off the list so yeah it's really we're scraping the bottom of the barrel for both of us that uh, teams that need a big man and all i say is uh, if you want that 37 percent free throw shooting go ahead for bismack i'm telling you he's uh he's yeah. a good one for you guys oh. <laughs> <laughs> i will say though it's been great having you on but before we head on out i want you to go ahead and the floor is yours be as honest and upfront as you can i think you mentioned a little bit of a hint earlier what your thoughts are on this but what are your thoughts on the los angeles lakers uh, how, what do you think they've done over the course of the summer and where do you think they'll line up the season as far as maybe possibly a matchup with the Celtics in the finals once again. That's not a winning time or on on Max. Yeah, so I think it's actually a distinct possibility for the first time since the bubble season. Uh, I think the Celtics have to get past the same boogeyman that they had to get back then, which was themselves. <laughs> we'll see if they can. That is one of the hardest leaps to make, really, is getting out of your own head and actually playing the team game to the level you need uh, you guys already have two experts at that, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. 
We made some pretty good signings. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Austin Reeves signing. I'm surprised, uh, big fans of yours, that the San Antonio Spurs are that we did not try and kind of make that a little bit more painful for you guys, but I'm sure you guys aren't too upset about that. Uh, I think Jackson Hayes, Cam Reddish, Tarion Prince, Gabe Vincent, all excellent excellent uh, signings that make Rob Polinka look like a much more experienced general manager than his reputation has given him credit for in the past. I want to caution people don't always know all the forces going on behind the scenes. I know the Rambuses have had the Rambi, whatever you want to call them. Uh, the Kurt and his wife uh, have been a, a big voice in the organization. And I'm sure the genie has been a pretty big voice in the organization as well. So we shouldn't necessarily pile all. And the now decisions. Jay Moore. <laughs> Jay exactly. Moore could be a big voice, but you know, I got uh, shot down on that one last night. So I'll leave it at that amongst our crew here. So, yeah, no, you don't, you don't want to put everything on, on Palinka and conversely, you don't want to give him all the credit, but you know, for some of the questionable moves that the team has done building around having a LeBron James on your roster, they have finally surrounded him with exactly the right kind of role players that you need to win. Uh, I still think you need to maybe do a little, and I think you were hinting at this when you were talking about big men yourselves, that the the Lakers big man rotation is not exactly optimal, uh, particularly with Anthony not really being a fan of playing the five, but it's a long season. There's going to be a lot of teams, I think, that are going to really decide in a big way late in the season, probably pretty close to the deadline that in fact, they are not going to be doing what they thought they were and that there might be some teams uh, out there that are willing to part with some players that could help both clubs, which I think is something to be keeping an eye on. The biggest problem for you guys is that you are in the Eastern conference because the West is stacked this year. Yes, that it is. That it is my friend. And, uh, truly uh, think that that's going to be something where the Lakers have to overcome. But, you know, like you said, if they, it's uh, again, it's similar to Celtics. If they can stay healthy, uh, I think you're looking at a successful season for both the Lakers and the Celtics. But Magic Man, any questions for Justin on the Lakers, my friend? I got you. Oh, no. Thank you very much, Gerald. That, that was uh, very sound, succinct, and to the point, Justin. Yeah, I mean – we're, we're so reliant on those two guys and we're so reliant on staying healthy that even if all that stuff comes together, you're right. The West is so stacked. It's going to be whoever comes out of the West will have so much attrition that unfortunately, like the East is the East, but there are still three solid teams in the East that are capable of winning a championship and the Celtics are one of them. And I, unless a surprise team comes out of the out of the woods here, I don't think that either the Celtics or the Bucks uh, or the Heat should have a championship diminished because they played a team that had to vault the, over other great teams. It's just that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, right? The West is stacked. Whoever comes out of the West is going to be significantly hurt just by the sheer attrition of the playoffs, the games, and we know that the coaching staffs for all three of those teams are top-notch. So uh, you're right. I, I think uh, – I'm just going to say it right now. I think we are headed to a collision course. I think we are going to play for uh, 18 in the, I hope so. in the summer. I really do. Um, it's just going to take lady luck on both of our sides for those injuries because I think that's the only thing that would snuff that out. 
Well, in the meantime, your listeners, if they want to check out the CLNS Media Network, we have a one Michael Cooper, who you may be familiar with, who has a podcast on our network. So that's something for you guys to listen to. And even though I would not normally ask your audience to listen to a Celtics Lab podcast, given the usual subject matter of the podcast, last our last podcast, not the current one, by the time you hear this, uh, the last episode, I think it was episode 213, we had Jeff Perlman, who wrote the book that Winning Time is based on on the podcast. And he has plenty Great to guest. say about the Lakers rivalry, the show, which I, I strongly encourage all you guys, if you haven't checked it out, which I don't know why you wouldn't give it the topic of this, this particular show. Absolutely. Uh, you got to check it out. It's a, it's a fantastic season and it's getting to the meat of the Celtics Lakers rivalry, which is in my opinion, the best part. Yeah. I had him on twice uh, once previously uh, on another book that he did, but also as well, just before the series started, he was a great guest and he was looking forward to seeing what or, or how winning time would evolve as a series. And now it's come to the point where it's kind of in question because I don't see it outside of his comments. That's the biggest news story that's going on outside the show is him trying to get on as many shows or is trying to get as much attention as possible to or many eyeballs as possible now that he's a producer for the second season, he was actually on the episode, the latest episode this past weekend as a reporter, ironically yep. enough. Uh, and uh, he said he was really nervous about that. I, I remember seeing his comments there. Uh, but I think he mentioned on your show, if I remember correctly. But I want to go ahead and say that, yeah, I, I hope people out there will support Jeff Perlman. We've been covering it each week, episode by episode on the show. Seems to me a better fit for this season as far as how well it's been laid out how well it's been acted, not as much over the top uh, for me as a, as a Lakers fan. I know that uh, Joe and Sean have liked it a little bit more on that first season. I actually like this season more, but I'm very worried that the silence by the general audience at large may not bode well for the future for this show. And I know that Jeff Perlman's words were he did not want it to end in 1984, but, you right. know, I mean, I the don't, best, I, the I don't best want to go years are ahead. I don't want to go Orwellian on him, but yes, it might end in 1984 because it just, you know, you, <laughs> I was like, why is he talking about Orwell? But uh, the reason why, <laughs> well, yeah, of course, but well, you, but even if they do get renewed, you've seen, and lately, if you, I don't know how many you keep up with the entertainment uh, trade papers or whatnot, that's not a sure sign that a show will actually be renewed until they physically go there and actually start filming episodes. So, Again, I, I, I'm hoping for the best, but like you, Justin, uh, not 100% sure it's going to happen. Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed. How do you like the way uh, Bird and Red Auerbach are being portrayed, by the way? For him? I think uh, Sean Michael Small, or Sean Patrick Small, excuse me, uh, does a fantastic job. Uh, honestly, I could not imagine who on earth besides the man himself he could possibly cast that would do a better job. I mean, the man went down to the shop mechanics level to get his character right. You don't usually see that level of dedication in any kind of a, a basketball production. If you even see somebody dribbling a ball below their waist while also seeing their head, that's a pretty good thing. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Michael Chiklis, there are moments where he really nails, nails Red's uh, attitude. As a red junkie, uh, there's elements he doesn't quite get. Like the the softer side of Red's character has not really been evident. But again, it's not really focused on that element. And to 
you don't you don't want your heel looking too kind. I know, you know? I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't really expect to see that side of him, but for for what for what the role requires, Chiklis does a fantastic job. Honestly, my favorite acting job in the entire series is is a Laker, and that would be uh, Devon uh, playing his dad, Norm. Next yes, week. we have said the same thing on the show. At doing it's an amazing. Excellent. It's eerie. It is eerie how how close to real life it is. A little bit over the top at times, but that again, that's what they're asking for on the show. And he's doing an absolutely brilliant job of playing, you know, Norm Nixon and and how the tension was there between him and Magic and all that and how that played out. So I, I, again, I like the show, especially now in the second season more so than I did this first season. And I'm hoping for continued success for not only uh, Jeff Perlman, but everybody associated with that show. So uh, I'm hoping for the best of that. But that leads me into my last question. And I'll let Magic Man go ahead and ask a little bit more too as well before we head on out. And you get a chance to tell everybody what you're up to as well. And that is the rivalry once again. You know how bad and how bitter. I mean, that's what winning time is based off, is how bad and how bitter it got between uh, these arch rivals that the league has been, you know, really banking on for quite some time for the period of the 80s. You know, they seriously made the league. league. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I first started watching it, I had to watch it, you know, when I was a kid after the local news to watch the Lakers win the championship on tape delay, you know, to give you an idea when they beat uh, Philadelphia the first time around. So to see it evolve to what it is now, it had to go through some really big changes in that 80s showtime era with the Celtics and the rivalry back and forth and the monumental games that they had. I don't expect it to ever get there in our society ever to that point ever again, but do you, can you see it to the point where at least becomes a rivalry where, where it gets, uh, I don't want to say bitter and nasty, but where it gets feisty once again. Uh, I think if we're going to see it, it's going to be this season and next season. And I don't think as you kind of hinted because of the way the new CBA is going to force teams to churn through rosters and uh, contention eras much more quickly, I think that it's going to be more ephemeral as rivalries tend to be. And I think that we're going to see rivalries. You, you mentioned the, uh, the, the infamous moment, which they covered in winning time, uh, the most recent episode uh, where psychotic and I love them for it. Celtics fans. Once they realized the 76ers were going to beat them, started chanting BLA, which uh, narrator, uh, they did not in fact be LA. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we can get the little slivers that are going to be compelling, but different. I don't think with the rivalries we grew up with players staying on the the team, most of their careers or all of their careers. I think that time is gone, at least for the foreseeable future. Maybe they change the CBA, something more amenable to that in the future. But yeah, I think for now we'll get little, little slivers here and there. I think over the next decade when, when the stars align. And I think right now for the next season or two, the stars might be aligned again. Awesome, indeed. Uh, before we head on out, Sean, any last thoughts, comments, my friend, please, before we head on out? I want to make sure everything is laid out on the table, my friend. He's been a great guest so far. I want to make sure uh, everything's said for you, Matt. My I friend. have a question for you guys. Sure. How do you feel about the uh, people who say you didn't count the Minnesota titles? Because my answer for that is, well, the Boston Celtics that won all the titles in the 60s are currently the Clippers. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I, whenever you know, ahead, it's, fu- it's it's funny, just so whenever anybody like starts off that a uh, conversation with that particular point, I always say, okay, let's look back at you know how many guys were smoking cigarettes, chain smoking uh, at halftime. You know, so it, it was a different time period, right? Just a completely different time period. It's like watching those old, uh, like, Montreal Canadiens and Boston Bruins games where everybody's smoking a dart on the bench after, after you, you score a big goal. Uh, you know, it's just times were different back then. I, I, everything's even now. I mean, I count the Celtics titles as much as I count the Lakers, and they both have 17 apiece right now. The argument is that in either direction is absurd to not count them because both of those franchises can both remove a large chunk if they use the same logic to screw the other team. So it's like, just have fun. It's 17 nil and or 17 up and let's see who comes out on top. And then again, I know the people that that's out there always uh, try to rub it in our faces in regards to the bubble, but let's say the Celtics had won in the bubble. You We'd know, be talking about that for the next 15 years. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and that's something about, you know, where every Lakers fan or every other fan that's out there would be saying, oh, it's not a legit title. It's not a legit, legit title. You know, it doesn't matter where the venue was. It, it All that matters is that the best players in the world were playing at that point in time against each other. And yes, we did win to go ahead and get number 17. So, It'll be interesting to see who gets to number 18 first, but uh, Justin, you've been a fantastic guest. Uh, Boston Celtics love aside, you've been a fantastic guest for us. We have just so indebted to you for taking the time out of your day to speak to us, but the floor is now yours. What are you working on? What do you want to plug out there? And what do you want the people to know about what Justin Quinn is working on today? Well, I did mention the Winning Time podcast for the Celtics Lab podcast. Uh, If you go to Celtics Wire, you're not going to find a lot of Lakers-oriented content. Uh, But it is ranking season across the league uh, in terms of media representation. What you're going to be reading right now, everyone is releasing all of their stuff so you can check and see what we think of other people's assessments as well as our own assessments of how the league is. Uh, This week on the Celtics Lab, we covered the Eastern Conference. Let some big news breaks. I think we'll be covering the Western Conference just so we have an idea of who the Celtics will be facing. But of course, baked into that, you'll hear an assessment of the Lakers from my co-host as well. And yeah, there's always uh, plenty of history on Celtics Wire, which of course, we are forever entangled. So you can find that there too. Absolutely. And that's part of the CLNS Media Boston Sports Network that's available today. I like the fact that they have trivia shows which is something we do on occasion as well. Uh, Magic Man, you got to go ahead and chalk up a victory, my friend. We got to get you back on the board. Got to go ahead and beat Joe and and L. Rob on that. We'll get you started up. But we'd like to get also more more guests involved, more of our crowd involved as far as it's concerned. So definitely looking forward to seeing some more of that. But also, again, if people are interested as far as what's going on with the Celtics, of course. Got to go ahead and check out what Justin's doing today at CelticsWire.USAToday.com and also CLNS Media Boston Sports Network. Go ahead and check that out on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. But Justin, so thankful that you were able to stop by today. We'd love to have you or a 
Celtics expert because it was really hard to finally get someone to go ahead and talk to us uh, as a pregame because we like to start doing pregames as well during the course of the season. Uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to go ahead and catch up with you uh, later on the season when the Celtics and Lakers. Maybe we'll go ahead and pre-tape something in advance for Christmas Day. Yeah. So, yeah, don't want exactly, you know, be kind of cold, especially. Yeah, I talked to this Lakers show on Christmas Day. That was great. But uh, I, I want to go ahead and say, yes, the door is open for you to return anytime to talk Celtics. Appreciate it. Glad to come back. Just let me know. Magic Man, any last thoughts before we head on out? Justin's been a great guest. This was a great conversation. And let's hope we can have a elongated one in June. Indeed. Here's that. Uh, absolutely. And before we head on out, I do want to make sure everybody knows that speaking of our great team reports, our team reports, we will finish off the Eastern Conference this weekend because tomorrow we have the Milwaukee Bucks with Candy Ebling. On Thursday, we have Dustin Doperak talking to Indiana Pacers. And on Friday, I just secured it on Friday all the way from the UK, John Tablanca is going to go ahead and take care of the Miami Heat for us. And then we start the Western Conference next week. Already we're working on that as well as we speak. But remember tonight, later tonight, for all you fantasy football fans, we have a special simulcast on this channel and also as well the Pop Culture Cosmos channel talking Inside Sports Fantasy Football, we're talking fantasy football for week one in the NFL. So look forward to that as well. But everyone, thanks so much for tuning in. Please go ahead and support what Justin Quinn is doing out there. Even if it is the evil side, the dark side of the force, that's okay. You could go ahead, check out the Empire. Just don't join the Empire and return to us again very soon right here at the Lakers Festival.